Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad here with you on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining me to start the final weekend without Mississippi State College football for the next few months. Of course, there is college football this weekend, which I am very much looking forward to. I hope you guys are as well. I want to thank you for listening wherever you're listening to us, be it at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcast from. I always appreciate you guys. You've really been doing a number for us too lately. Our number, our, our listens are just going through the roof. We really appreciate it. Hope you guys are enjoying the uh, the podcast we're putting out. If there's anything we can do to make you feel better about it, let us know. And of course, if you want to do us a favor, go over to iTunes and give us that five-star rating. Don't forget, you can say whatever you want about us in the comments. You can crush us, make fun of our parents, our parents, our children. Maybe not our children, but regardless of all that. You can you say whatever you want in the comments, but the five-star rating, if they can make that happen, we would really, really appreciate it. No Joel T. today. He was in Starkville, though, and thank goodness he was, and that's the main reason I'm doing a podcast. So that, before I get into that, I want to thank all of our listeners again, uh, especially our servicemen and women out there protecting us, and I want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream, who soldiered through the Starkville water nightmare. Glad I was not in Starkville on Thursday because, you know, I might have wanted a glass of water at some point, uh, and, and I couldn't have it, you know, so trying to drink more water and you know there's temptation at every turn evidently uh hopefully you guys are all if you're living in starville you're back uh showering and drinking water like like normal people again uh but they they soldier on up there at strange where they got through it and it uh, looks like everything's back to normal so go check them out especially uh in a couple weeks when you're up here for the first home games if you haven't been to strange Brew in a while you know you want to all right like I said I, I was probably not going to do a podcast you know down here in uh i'm in jackson tonight was in colin uh, on Thursday uh, afternoon for the show for the uh, the high school jamboree there, and then I'll be back there again today uh, for that. So you know, I was just like, ah, can always catch up on the box score, no big deal. Uh, but then Mississippi State decided to name it starting quarterback. Sorry, I missed out on the press conference, but the the worst kept secret in Mississippi State history has now been made official. Tommy Stevens is going to be the quarterback for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. He will. Uh, take the reins of this offense he will be i I learned there's a new term by the way because you can't really say under center anymore you can't say under center because they're not under center you got to say behind center you get old you learn new things but tommy stevens is the man for the job he will take the reins of this offense and lead them against uh, louisiana and into the 2019 season again no real surprise if you've been listening to this podcast you've been listening to sports talk mississippi you listen read anything i've written about this if you followed me on Twitter, you know that this has been my opinion. This was going to happen since he committed back back in May, uh, that the, the, the everything was lined up for him to be the guy, that he was just a better passer overall than Keaton Thompson was, and that's what this offense has to have. And so now Tommy Stevens will indeed be the quarterback as uh, determined by Joe Moorhead. And my, hope, my hopes are high for him. I think, you know, when you look at – what he you know he was able to do at Penn State obviously not a lot of reps in the passing game only 41 attempts but I will tell you that Joe Burrow LSU's savior and self-proclaimed best quarterback in college football by Richard Cross uh, only had 39 attempts in his time in in uh, in Columbus at Ohio State so you know can't look too much into that when he ran the football he was very very effective almost seven yards of carry uh, but, of course, that's something that, you know, he shared in common with Keaton Thompson. Thompson was very effective as a runner as well. It was going to come down to the passing game. Stevens, a career 58% passer again. Not a lot of attempts, but the attempts he has, he's 58%. The attempts Keaton Thompson has, he's 47 
So, you know, it sort of speaks for itself. Um, you know, when we met with, with, with Stevens, I was impressed with him as, you know, in terms of being able to, you know, to communicate with us. I thought Thompson and he were both very, uh, very good throughout this process. When we both, when we talked to them, they both said all the right things. You got the impression that they really and genuinely were pulling for each other, even though the other guy, you know, they both wanted the job. Um, so for me, Stevens was just, it was just the obvious choice. This was always going to be the case. Uh, if you thought that, that Keaton Thompson was going to win this job, I, I don't know what to tell you. It was just going to be a very, very difficult path for him to do so. Because if they had believed that he could win the job, not only would they not have recruited Tommy Stevens, they would not have recruited Kelly Bryant back in November. They obviously thought that Thompson needs more practice, more seasoning, whatever you want to call it, if you're ready to take over this job. We'll get to what is going to happen there, you know, because that's, that's obviously now the big question. But for me, like I said, uh, with, with, uh, with Stevens, I, I feel like he should have command of the offense. I feel like he should be able to, to run the offense the way Joe Moorhead wants to do it. I feel like Kylan Hill is set to have a big year. I think State's improved its receiving core. The offensive line looks like it's going to be pretty solid. There's no excuses. So, as I said before, and I'll say it again now, with Joe Moorhead, your, your, your expectations have accelerated a little bit. You have your quarterback now. There's no excuse to not be good offensively this season. If you're not good offensively this season, I'm going to chalk that up as you're not going to be good offensively at Mississippi State. If you are good offensively this season, then you look ahead and you're like, okay, well, then he's got his quarterback on campus and Garrett Schrader. Maybe he could be the guy next year if Thompson can't do it, and then you just move forward from there. So I expect the Michigan's offense to take a big step forward. Again, I'm not saying they're going to put up the same kind of numbers that Alabama and, and, and Oklahoma are going to put up. That's not the expectation for me, but I expect them to be able to score with regularity. I don't expect them to only score 16 points in a four-game losing stretch. Uh, I, I don't expect that. I expect them to be able to put points on the board, and even though the defense should take a small step backwards, and I, I really honestly do believe it's a small step, that the offense will be able to keep them in games. The offense should be able to win some games this year against non against conference opponents. If you go back to a season ago, is there a game the offense won in the conference play outside of Arkansas and Ole Miss where you only gave up six points and three points? Anyway, although there were some games that wouldn't have been enough. But, I mean, against those two poor defenses, yeah, the offense looked great. But, I mean, A&M maybe, I could say that. But, you know, they only, they only gave up 13 points in that game. Same with Auburn. They only gave up nine points. They didn't need a huge offensive game, and they really didn't get it. This is a year where if somehow the defense falters and you give up 24, 27 points, you, you expect that offense to be able to keep you into the football game, keep you like, giving, a, giving you a chance to win. That's what I think Tommy Stevens is going to bring. If he doesn't, it's going to be – Tough sledding for Joe Moorhead as the head coach at Mississippi State. They're, these two guys are now linked 100% because you've, Joe Moorhead has pushed his chips into the table with Tommy Stevens. If he had gone with Thompson this year, and this is sort of the opposite effect of what you're seeing at Auburn, by the way. By going with a true freshman, Gus Malzahn, and I don't know if I agree with this, but there's some people who say maybe he bought himself a little time because you could say, well, if they win eight games, but he's a true freshman, they're obviously going to get better. By starting Stevens over Thompson, if Thompson had started and you go seven and five, you could say, well, you know, it, this he still doesn't have his quarterback in there yet. Thompson was recruited to play for Mullen. You could say that. You can't say that now. One hundred percent, you cannot say that now. Joe Moorhead and, and Tommy Stevens are linked together. Their success will either pull them both up or put or pull them both down. 
Uh, my, like I said, my thought process right now is it's going to go up. I think Stevens is a better passer than Nick Fitzgerald. I think State's improved enough at the wide receiver position to be good there. And you know what you have with Kylan Hill. I, 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 it's, I see a, a path for MSU to be in the top half of offenses in the SEC. And that, to me, will be good enough to win at least eight games. And honestly, it might be good enough to win nine. And if State goes nine and three this year, in a year that if, you've, or if you're a longtime listener to my podcast, going back to the B&B show, you know that I have pointed at 19 as a year that, you know, it's going to be a transition here. You lose Fitzgerald, you lose Simmons, you, your defense is going to have to readjust. And now, if you could somehow win nine games in a year like that, what I would have said called a transition year, that means you feel confident that going forward things are going to, to move in the right direction. But it has to happen offensively. Offensively is where it's going to have to happen. Defensively, I'm not all that that terribly worried. Uh, let's get to Keaton Thompson because obviously that's going to be the big storyline to follow over the next uh, few weeks. I guess you know going into the season, will he redshirt? Will he transfer? You you saw so many different scenarios play out a season ago. You saw uh, Jalen Hurts. He decided not to take a redshirt. Uh, and decided he would just graduate and be a grad transfer and move on. Then you saw Kelly Bryant, who wanted to, pre- to preserve his red shirt and decided to, you know, leave the team immediately after the fourth game. And that was, it, remember, that competition was going into the season. Kelly Bryant was the starter, but they knew they were going to play Trevor Lawrence and they were just trying to balance it out. And they realized, okay, we've got to go with Lawrence going forward. This is so it's a little different scenario. So a lot of different scenarios. One that I was I hadn't really thought about, but was made uh, sort of relevant yesterday was Central Florida naming Brandon Wimbush their quarterback. He was at Notre Dame. Same situation. Got beat out by Ian Book. Stayed the course. Stayed with Notre Dame through the season. Actually had to come in and help them out in winning a game because Book got hurt. So you know, what path is Keaton Thompson going to take now? I'll be interested to find that out. Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either way that he'll stay or that he'll go. Um, my guess is, and because he has the red shirt year available, and I, here's the other thing to know: I don't know his academic standing. He could be, you know, really close to graduating, and if that's the case, he could be a grad transfer similar to Joe Burrow and, have, and still have two years of eligibility left if he decides to go that route. Um, or he, you know, he has his red shirt year available, so if he wants to transfer, he could just sit out this year as a red shirt and, and then and then play. He's got a lot of options available to him right this second. Uh, and nobody knows but him what path he wants to take. I don't think a position change is the right call for him because I think he could be a, a quarterback in the right system for sure. And I think he could be a quarterback in the Joe Moorhead system. And maybe another year of practice and repetition and, and film and learning will put him in a position next year, if you redshirt him, to have two great years as a starter at Mississippi State. So nothing is set in stone with Thompson whatsoever. Sort of the same with Jalen Maiden. That's the, and that's another interesting question, by the way, for me, is who is the backup quarterback now? Because especially if you're thinking you're going to redshirt, if Thompson wants to take a redshirt, he's willing to do that. So is Maiden number number two at that point? Because you think you'd want a redshirt Schrader as well. But when we've seen practice, Schrader has been throwing ahead of Maiden. I think Schrader is third string and Maiden is fourth string. So an interesting dynamic for Joe Moorhead to figure out vis-a-vis the backup quarterback situation, which, you know, was always going to be the case. He always was going to have this problem, but he had to solve the first problem first of getting the, the, the quarterback that he wanted in there. Um, and I did, I did see some of that, some, some disparaging remarks on Twitter. I mean, it's just, 
come on, this is this guy's getting paid three million dollars a year to win football games. I mean, to think he would make a decision motivated by anything other than winning is not smart. If if you're one of these people who thinks that this decision was motivated by anything other than this is the guy I think will help me win more football games, well, that's on you, and I I can explain it for you, but I can't understand it for you. So you just take that and, and go with it. But Moorhead made the decision he thinks is best. He'll he'll live or die with that decision, and we'll see what happens. But for Thompson, it will be an interesting few weeks. You know, week four against Kentucky, we will have to know one way or the other what's going to happen with Keaton Thompson. Will he redshirt? Because you have to assume if you're going to redshirt and you're going to play in four games. Although that's an interesting question, and one something I just thought of. Yes, you have Schrader. You want to redshirt him, right? So if you're going to play a quarterback in blowouts. A, a, a guy you're going to redshirt, it makes sense to play Schrader against uh, Louisiana, against maybe Southern Miss, maybe against Kansas State. And then you could save Keaton Thompson, and you know maybe you need him again, you know, for a, se- a series or two in games that actually matter. But he could still redshirt. That's an interesting you know, dynamic there. You could tell Keaton, look, we're going to redshirt you, but you're going to play against you know, Auburn, A&M, LSU, and Ole Miss, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting uh, question that, again, will have to be answered. And then you have Maiden, who doesn't have a redshirt year left, obviously. How much will he play this season? So that, you know, something. The quarterback competition is over, but the quarterback depth chart is hardly settled. We'll just put it that way. So still a long way to go there uh, for Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead. Obviously, one final scrimmage, that is Saturday. We'll talk to some assistant coaches, including Andrew Briner, on Saturday. So we'll have that uh audio at Super Talks, uh, or I'm sorry, at Sports Talk Mississippi's Twitter feed, and uh, we'll have some uh, that at supertalk.fm as well. And then uh, back to the normal schedule, you know, Joe Moorhead will talk to the media on Monday, and game week will be here. We'll see a depth chart and all that good stuff, and we'll start figuring some things out and get ready uh, for that first game. All right, I do owe you guys a box score. Uh, we're at the second to last one of the season. Remember, I am not uh, going to do one for Abilene Christian, because what's the point in all that? It is Alabama. And here's the thing. If you've listened to Sports Talk Mississippi, you've heard me say, I think Alabama will win the national title this year. I think this is a a really, really good Alabama football team. Um, Defensively, they're they're just loaded. They have a lot of guys there, a lot of seniors and juniors that have played a lot of games. And then offensively, I think they have the best quarterback in the country in Tua. I like him for the college game more than I like uh, Trevor Lawrence a little bit. Um, and he has the best receiving core. Ruggs, Judy, Smith, Waddle. Nobody has a foursome like that. Offensive line is solid all the way across. Great all the way across would be better. And then Najee Harris, I think, is the next great. I think he, you know, they've sort of gone by committee these past few years, but if you remember when Derrick Henry was there, he was the lead dog. I think Najee Harris is poised to have that kind of season. Not a Heisman Trophy season, I don't think, because Tua will definitely be the headliner there, but he will be the, the, the lead back and the, and the alpha dog in that backfield. I really believe that. If, if you're not familiar with Najee Harris, you haven't kept up too much with Alabama, because he hasn't played a whole ton. Uh, but he was the number one running back in, in high school for most of his senior year. The number two running back at that time was Cam Akers. So if you're from Mississippi and you saw Cam Akers, you know how great he was in high school. This guy was deemed better than him for most of the year. Um, one thing I always say, and I said this last year about Alabama, is when you play them and you're, you're the underdog, and it, from a, a decided talent standpoint, I mean, Georgia's going to be an underdog. LSU's going to be an underdog. But talent for talent, the gap's not that huge. 
For Mississippi State, it's a big talent gap. If we talked about it yesterday on Sports Talk Mississippi, the blue chip ratio. Alabama has, you know, what was their roster? 80% four-star, five-star, probably 30 to 40% five-star. Mississippi State has one five-star on the roster, and he's a true freshman who's probably going to redshirt this year, Charles Cross. The talent gap is real. So I've always thought when you play Alabama in any situation, you've got to commit to something. The balance sort of has to go out the window, in my opinion, when you play Alabama. Either throw it or run it, and, and that's what you have to do. And obviously you can mix in some runs if you're throwing it and mix in some throws if you're running it. But if you're going to if you're gonna come out there and just play smash mouth, don't midway through the game decide to start throwing the football. If you're having success, stick with it. Don't get away from it at all. You have to stick with whatever you're going to do. You really have to sort of screw your courage to the post and say, all right, we're going to play Alabama. We're going to run the football right at them with Kylan Hill and Nick Gibson and Tommy Stevens. We're going to play power football, and if it works, it works. If you try to play in the middle, that's what, that's where the, you know, when you're trying to make decisions, that's where it's a problem for me. So for Mississippi State this year against Alabama, you guys may think I'm a little crazy here, and that's okay. Seems like the opportunity for me is to maybe throw the football a little bit. I don't think Alabama would be expecting it first and foremost, because I think State's going to be a successful running team. But Stevens gives you your first real passing threat against them since Dak Prescott. Um, you know, Fitzgerald, just for whatever reason, never threw the ball successfully against Alabama. Not that a lot of people do, but he just didn't. Um, you combine that with the fact that I think the offensive line is better this year than it was Dak Prescott's uh, senior year. You remember he took a beating against Alabama that year, sacked nine times. Um, I think this offensive line can do a better job of keeping the pocket clean. I think the offense is designed to give more space to the quarterback, some more time to throw the football. So, my my I, call it crazy, man. I, I don't know that I ever would have dreamed I was going to suggest this, but I think this that the the, the 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 best plan for action is to be ultra aggressive against Alabama. It, it, go down shooting, man. Go down firing. Just t- just don't leave anything on the field. You know. Don't don't leave any you know any anything in the playbook that could have worked. Be aggressive against Alabama defensively. State did a great job against them last year, and you know last year was more about bottling up Tua than anything else. State did a great job of that. They put pressure on him. They were the first team all season really to get a lot of pressure on him. They forced him in some bad throws. He threw an interception in that game. State's defense did enough to win in that game. If they had gotten any kind of offensive performance, they would have had an opportunity to do so. They didn't, and that's why the final score was 24 to nothing. So, you know, the same game plan. Again, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And Bob Shoup, I don't think I'm going to have to twist his arm very much to ask him to be aggressive defensively. He likes to get after the quarterback. He likes to, to make those, those, those blitzes and, and make, get people uncomfortable uh, and have them put them into a decision. He had a great scheme last year. Now, it helps to have that scheme and Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat and those guys. But you still got a ton of talent back there. Um, and by this point in the season, you should be settled at that defensive tackle rotation. And either Lee Autry and, and Kendall Jones have, you know, solidified themselves in the middle and the freshmen are doing a good job of providing depth. Or some of the young guys have stepped forward and become, you know, budding superstars. But one way or the other, you're, you're going to be settled there. You know, and we know that you're good at end with Rivers, Jones, Spencer, Adams. You feel good there. 
you should be able to get after two a little bit. You know, you know your linebackers are good. You're good in the secondary. Cam Dantzler versus Jerry Judy going to be a great matchup. You know, it's going to be tough with Rug, the other guys because now you're talking about putting somebody like maybe Martin Emerson, a true freshman, onto Henry Ruggs or Devontae Smith. That's a that's a tough, tough, tough matchup, man. And uh, you know, I don't envy him for it. But that you know, you've got some you've got some matchups that you can do, and you you know your safeties are good there too. Brian Coles and and Landrews Murphy, those are guys that can provide some some protection over the top, so that you know you're not getting burned. I I, I think the 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 plan as always when you play Alabama, I am a big believer, and when you when you're the underdog, you should play super aggressive. Playing super conservative, it just usually doesn't work. See Mullen, Dan. Whenever he played one of these top teams, he'd go super conservative. I think you should go the opposite. I think you should just come out guns blazing and see what happens. You know, if you're going to lose either way, at least make it entertaining, right? So I think that's, that should be the MSU plan. And a very aggressive passing attack on offense and then aggressive defense. Make two on as uncomfortable as you possibly can. See if you can't force a turnover. See if you can't do something with it. And then sort of take it from there. Is they going to beat Alabama this year? Probably not. I mean, I would imagine as that game sits today, Alabama's a double-digit favorite. We'll see what they are when they get to Starkville. There's no reason to think they won't be 10 to 12, maybe even a 14-point favorite in that game. But as we saw two years ago, you know, it's possible for State to make the right decisions and be, be you know, in the game. State went a different way at that time. They went ultra-conservative, but it worked. They just ran the football right Alabama. Now, that Alabama defense was depleted by injury, but let's not act like they were just putting a bunch of ham and eggers out there. You know, that was still four- and five-star players. They were just inexperienced. But they made plays, and State just didn't make enough plays there in the end. And defensively, they just made a mistake here and there. Little, you know, they were ultra-aggressive defensively. I didn't have any issues with that. Yeah, I, you look back at that last touchdown, and you know how close Mark McLaurin was to deflecting that pass or getting to Jalen Hurts. I don't have, you know, I didn't have any problems with that. They had, they had gone with it all night. Why get away from it? Same thing here. I think Shoup will do the same thing. He'll be super aggressive, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, well, you're probably going to lose the game anyway. So, upset potential here is not very high, just because the, the talent gap is so big. But I will say this: going back to what we talked about at the beginning, if Stevens is better and the passing game is better and the offense is better. You know, the defense can take that take a small step back. It could balance itself out, and you could have a competitive ball game in Starville with, with a, MSU having a chance to win the game late. We'll see what happens, though. Right now, I would take Alabama as a double-digit favorite easily. But, you know, once I see this offense and see if what Stevens really is and see if my, my theories are correct, I could change my mind and see how clo- it could be a closer game. I think I, I would take Alabama to win, obviously. But we'll see where it takes us. So next week on the show, it is game week. But we will start... We will what preview Lafayette. We will have a full picks section for you, for me and Joel in the competition. Uh, we have one more box score, and it will be the Egg Bowl. I'm going to give you guys a spoiler on that. It will involve running the football. Running the football will be a, a, a uh, moment on there. And, uh, of course, a lot more stuff. You know, it's, it's game week, so there's a lot going on. And of course, Friday show, a week from today, the three Ps back on Thunder and Lightning. So I'm excited. Hope you guys are too. One last thing before I go. Uh, my good friend Brandon Walker's uh, podcast debuted on Thursday. Wanted to give him a shout out and congratulations. Very proud of him. Doing a great job. He's going he's gonna to be a big star. Uh, hopefully 
he will remember us when he gets there. But good job, Brandon. I saw, I, I listened, I, I laughed at some of your clips, uh, especially you may have, you may can, you can guess the one I thought was the funniest. And uh, good job, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Have a great, great, great weekend. And I'll be back with you on Monday morning with Joel T. Uh, this has been Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look. The drives are cool. While I've got the mood. That really move I said chill. Up and down there. Fine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.